0: It is a privilege to be here. Uh, You know, one of the things that's so amazing is just to see, as we come into your guys' community, to see the passion that you guys have for Jesus. And uh, I've served in the church a long time and just love his body. I love the church. I love that God puts us together in community and he does it intentionally and he calls us a family. And then he doesn't just do it so that we can rub shoulders with people and make friends. He also gives us Purpose. He releases us with purpose of the church. And we were singing about some of it this morning, you know, to, to send us, it was, we were singing about his love to those around us, to reach out. And, you know, God has called us as a body of believers, as Christians, to reach those around us and to reach out with purpose. The word talks about us as ambassadors. It's a, it's a term that's used and it really just means that we're those that get to re-present Jesus to the world. We represent Jesus to those around us. And I'm excited for the season that God has his church in, and that's you folks as well. Uh, I'm excited because I feel like God is, God is ripe to pour out his spirit on his people and those that don't know him yet. And I believe that this is a season where we're going to need courage and boldness in what he has for us today. And uh, this morning, I actually wanted to speak on this piece that, um, for us, That God has called us to walk in courageous faith that will bring radical provision and breakthrough in our lives. So that's the passage. um, There's a passage I want to go through that's going to help teach some of this. And I'm just going to spend some time reading it. So I trust you guys love the word as much as I do. Acts 4, it starts in this passage. Acts is a book of the Bible that tells us the stories of the disciples after Jesus had ascended to heaven. So this is the people that were around Jesus at the time and the radical testimony of what happened with them as Jesus hands this baton to represent Jesus to the world. So it says in here in chapter 4, verse 1, and I'm going to read a bunch of this. It says, and so they, speaking to the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them. So they arrested the disciples. They put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those... Let me just see where we're at here too. Make sure you guys have all of it. But many of those who had heard the word were believed. The number of the men came to about 5,000. That's a serious addition. I don't know where we would put 5,000 in this room. But God could do it. He could add. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Ananias and Sapphira. Well, Ananias and the high priest of Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were in the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, By what power and by what name did they do this? This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's a lot in this passage. I know, thanks for bearing with me as I just took some time to read through it. But I really see that in here there's some handles for us. That God wants to give us courage and a boldness like he did his disciples. And for us, I believe that this is a season that we desperately need it. So some handles and things that I see, there's, there's a start, that, there's a part in this word and in this scripture that I would say is a responsibility on us. How many of you know that as a believer in Jesus, if we want to walk in the things God has for us, that there's stuff that we have to do? How many of you also know that there's stuff that he does? I think it's important that we understand what our role is and what our responsibility is so that we can see God move in power in the ways that he does in our lives. So for us, to walk in courageous faith, what is required of us? I'm gonna touch these four points today. I believe that for us, it starts with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The next thing I'm gonna say is that it looks like obedience and that it perseveres in the face of opposition and that it means that we have to take risks as Christians. And the last part, The part that's on him. This is what God does. It's his response to us operating in courageous faith. His response that he brings radical provision and breakthrough. He does. So let's jump into the first point here and just look at what we see in this passage. So I don't see that there's any way that we can walk in courageous faith if we do not have the Holy Spirit. So it starts with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So this passage in Acts 4 happens because in Acts 2, we saw the baptism of the Holy Spirit come. And that happened because the people listened to Jesus and they waited for the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1-4, it says that while they were staying with him, he, meaning Jesus, ordered them to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And he goes on and says that you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. So... It's imperative for us as believers that we also receive the Holy Spirit, and specifically the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So here are these disciples. These guys had spent three years with Jesus. How many of you would love that personal face-to-face, you could pinch Jesus, that kind of time with him? Now, I know we get that time with him now as believers because he dwells among us, but these guys spent three years with Jesus, and they still needed the Holy Spirit. So if they needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need the Holy Spirit? And I believe that the level that God has called us to operate in when it comes to this courageous faith, it's going to require the Holy Spirit at work in us so that we can walk in the power and fullness of everything that God wants to do through our lives. I know that we can't do it in our own strength. God wants to put courage inside of us. So as Christians, we know that we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, okay? So maybe that's a new concept to you. As we were celebrating and just honoring Jesus and what he did on the cross, the word tells us that as we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, and he takes our sin from us in this amazing exchange, that he actually gives us himself. He gives us the Holy Spirit to live and dwell inside of us. Did you know that Christianity is the only religion whose God lives inside of us? We're the only religion that believes that we can have this level of intimate relationship with God. So at salvation, if we look, the scripture in Acts 2, 38 references this. It just says that we're to repent and be baptized. And then it says we will receive Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And then we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this is the indwelling spirit that we receive The word tells us that it's the deposit that guarantees our salvation. It's the the thing inside of us. It's the seal. It's the stamp. It's the promise. God has given us salvation, and he gives us his spirit, and he never takes it away from us. But as we read in this passage in Acts 1, the word also talks about this baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that word baptism is baptizo, and it just means to be fully immersed in him where we fully immerse ourselves and we allow God to fill us to this point of overflowing. God wants to fill us and he wants us to stay full of him. So for me, and when I read the word, I think it's very reasonable for us to believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and in infillings and refillings and outpourings. And I'll be honest, I don't understand the mystery of how God works in all of this. But I know that I want all of him. I know that I want all of him. I know that if I want to serve him in the way he's called us to, if I want to walk in the fullness of everything that he has, I need everything that God has for me. I don't want to hold back from that. I want to go after it. I want to flow in the power of God through my life like I read in the word and like he says we can. I want to see that. When I was reading through this passage, and I've been chewing in this for quite some time because I honestly really believe That what God has for his church, his bride in this season is a release of the Holy Spirit for the advancement of his kingdom. And I was thinking about this passage I was thinking about the Holy Spirit and I stopped to pump gas. And uh, I pulled up at the pump. You know how there's usually two stalls at the pump. So I pulled up at the pump and I was pulling through to the first one. But I didn't pull ahead enough. Now, I drive a pickup truck, okay, so it's a bit long. So I didn't pull ahead enough, so the person came in behind me trying to use that pump, and I didn't leave them enough room. You ever done that? So it takes a while to fill a truck. So I'm sitting there pumping gas, trying to fill my truck, and this person behind me is giving me the stink eye, hey? They are not happy with me. So I'm just, you know, counting down, hoping this thing would speed up, and man, it was taking forever. And it was one of those pumps, if you've ever been there, for whatever reason, the pump was going a third of the speed. It was going super slow. So I caved, guys. I caved. I left. I didn't fill my vehicle, and I left. And that's not like me. I, I'm the one of those, maybe you can relate. I'm one of those guys where there's the right way to do something, and then there's the wrong way. Like when you go to the gas station, you fill your vehicle to full. That way you save time. You don't have to do it frequently. Like that's... So for me to leave the gas tank the gas tank kind of half empty, I was twitching. Can any of you relate to that? I was like, oh, this is terrible, right? No, no. Okay, so maybe there's some of you in the room that are on the opposite end of the spectrum. Maybe some of you, when you go to the gas tank and you, or go to the gas station and you go to fill up, you don't go to full. You just, you just fill it up by a dollar amount, right? Five bucks, ten bucks. You do it on a budget, hey? You're, is there some of you in the room? Maybe you kind of play games with it, right? You're like, how low can my tank go before I'm going to stop and get fuel? You know, how far can I drive once that red light comes on? All right, okay, so there's, there's a few of us here. And as I was driving away from the gas station, I honestly, the Holy Spirit just hit me and just said to me, like, Paul. Some people treat me like that. Some people treat me, the Holy Spirit, like the way they pump gas. Some people play games. Some people just have a little bit here and a little bit there. You know, they just they just don't take the time to actually marinate in my presence and receive everything that I have for them. And then there's some people that maybe like me, you're just you cave to the pressure around you. You cave to the busyness of life, the schedule, the stuff. And you just don't take the time to fill up. And I really felt this challenge from the Holy Spirit that, that God has called us in this season to get full and to stay full. And I know that the gas tank analogy isn't perfect, okay? So, you know, because you can argue and go, well, well, how full is full? How do I measure? How? You know what? It's not about that. It's about a heart to see the Holy Spirit fill us to that point of overflowing in our lives because we're hungry for everything that he has for us. I want to be hungry for everything that he has for me. You know, I think people are drawn to charisma. But you see, charisma doesn't have the power of God release to bring breakthrough. So if we want to see breakthrough in our lives, if we want to see the gospel, you know, this message of Jesus change the lives of our coworkers, our friends, our neighbors, you know, if we want to see the radical provision of God come through in our lives, it's not going to come in our own efforts. It's going to require the outworking of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So God wants to pour out. So even as the disciples here in this passage, even as they are encountering, the the holy you know even as they encounter the Sadducees and they go through this whole moment that we read even the disciples in Acts four thirty one look at this it says that all these incredible things have happened right that the Holy Spirit had done and in the face of threats and opposition they surrendered afresh to whatever God wants to do in prayer and they asked for boldness to preach again I just I'm so encouraged that I see that. Even though the the disciples experienced that Pentecost moment where the baptism of the Holy Spirit came, they actually went back, surrendered afresh, right? To come back as that vessel and say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me afresh. I need more of you. If the disciples needed more of the Holy Spirit, so do we. So do we. If we want to walk in courageous faith, we need to see or we need to have a full tank. We really do. Because a self-generated courage... And faith will not bring breakthrough. It won't. So when I, when I look at this, it's interesting when you see sort of what happens in this passage in Acts that we were reading. Because, yes, we see that you know, there's this encounter in Acts 3 that started this whole thing off. It, it shows the disciples were on their way to a prayer meeting. You guys know it's a good idea to come to prayer meetings, hey? Come and join them in the morning when they come and pray. It's important that we gather and we pray. God does radical things. So here, these disciples, not too holy for a prayer meeting, on their way to a prayer meeting, they see a blind beggar. And the Holy Spirit prompts them, they stop, and they just tell them about Jesus and they heal him. And the power of God's release, this beggar is healed. So these disciples needed the Holy Spirit for that moment, but they also needed the Holy Spirit for the next moment. So the next moment, as this person's healed, people just radically came, and they were drawn right in, and they needed the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel in power. And it says that as they did that, people were saved. But it's interesting because it wasn't just that. There was more that was the, the Holy Spirit did beyond that, because even as people were saved, it says opposition came, and that's what we were reading in Acts 4. And the disciples needed to be full also for opposition. They needed to be full to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, regardless what they were facing. Like, we need the Holy Spirit for everything, for every day that he has for us, that he's ordained. We don't know the end of our days, but I'm telling you, God has plan and a purpose for each one of us. And in every day, he wants to do something. And we want to be full so that we're ready and prepared for whatever the circumstance might be. So the next thing for us is this, is that courageous faith looks like obedience. So we know that Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, he responds. He responds to that beggar, which was the, the story I was telling us. He just, yeah, there's somebody, the Holy Spirit's prompting him. He responds. In the midst of people being gathered, he stands up and he preaches the gospel. In the midst of opposition, he stands up, full of courage and boldness, and he declares Jesus. So obedience is so important for us because courageous faith looks like obedience. You guys, we don't need the Greek word for obedience. We just need to do what he says. We just need to do what he says. It's actually really simple. Just do it. If God's prompting you and he's saying something, just do it. Step out in faith. You see, obedience also isn't a light switch, okay? And I think it's important that we know this. So, you know, a light switch, you know, you turn it on and then there's light. And sometimes when it comes to obedience, we think it works like this. It's like, well, God, I did the thing. I turned the switch on, now you do your thing. And we have this expectation because of the culture that we're in that things are all just going to happen immediately. And I just want to say with obedience that sometimes it's like that. And we're obedient, and immediately God does something. But oftentimes when it comes to obedience, it's actually a continual Honoring of the Lord, of what he's saying, and taking one step further and trying again. You know, if you read through the Old Testament and you read through the Word, it's full of these stories of obedience. You know, if you think of the story of Noah, Noah built a boat in a desert. Now, I love boats, but I kind of, you know, I know that you need water in order for a boat to actually have any sort of purpose. But Noah was obedient Some people say it might have taken him 130 years or so to build it. I don't know how long it took him, but I know it didn't happen like this. I know that it wasn't just like, obey, I built the boat in a day, and now I'm good. No, every day he had to be obedient and do. But there's there's so many stories like that. There's a story of the widow's oil. She was about to lose her family and her worth and her possessions. And, you know, Elisha comes to her and just says, go and collect some empty jars for oil and let's pray. And she's just obedient. It doesn't make sense in the natural. And God does something supernatural and he pours out and he fills them. And, and her, her family is saved because she's obedient. And then there's Moses. I think his whole life is a testament of obedience. If you look at the Old Testament, you know, Moses was appointed to help set the Israelites free from captivity in Egypt. And, you know, everything that he did over a long period required obedience. I mean, he had to go to Pharaoh And he had to declare, set my people free. He had to go every time. Every time he went to Pharaoh, his life was in jeopardy. Every time he went, he was facing opposition. And he just did it. Courageous faith is not obeying only when it makes sense. I think many of us are trying to reason with God. And we're looking for this big divine strategy for our lives and what to do. And his divine strategy is so simple. His divine strategy for us is obedience. And to learn to walk so close that it's easy to obey what he's asking of us. And and why do we want to obey? Because what God wants to do is amazing. God wants to set people free. God wants to set people free. This is what he's called us to. And he's looking for a people, you and I, who will say yes to his promptings, who will say yes to what he's saying and what he wants to do. This is courageous faith. All right, what else do I see that's required? What else do we do? What's, it's this, the next thing for me is that it's persevering in the face of opposition. You know, it's really interesting in this passage that the gospel goes forward, the, the kingdom advances and people get added and right away the Sadducees come And they start to bring this opposition. In Acts 4.1, it's interesting. It says that they came upon them. You know, another way to say that is that they descended on them. Okay, that would be like somebody walking in the room right now, interrupting me, taking the microphone and like standing over me and like addressing the crowd and shutting things down. I mean, talk about opposition. You know, these weren't really the people that you want to greatly annoy either. These are the people that helped, you know, make sure that Jesus got crucified, right? So these were the religious leaders of the day. They murdered Jesus. It says that they arrested the disciples, right? They arrested them. They put them in custody. And they, and they went after them. And they, they asked them this. They said, well, by what power and what authority are you doing this? It is so intimidating when people challenge your identity and your authority, isn't it? I believe it's really imperative that as believers, as Christians, that we know who we are. That we know that we are a son and a daughter, a child of God with intimate relationship with him. It's imperative we know who we are and also what authority that we walk in. Because there is opposition in this world. If you want to take this gospel that we believe and live it out the way he asks us to, we're going to face opposition. But thank God we're not alone. He gave us the Holy Spirit for this. You know, the Sadducees in Jewish culture, they were the authorities of the day, okay? Their role wasn't just in the church or in the Jewish community. They weren't just religi- um, restricted to the religious aspect of things. There wasn't the separation of church and state. So these guys were actually involved in politics and law. The Sadducees were a big deal. They, they determined what was acceptable and not acceptable in society, they shaped the policies, the values, and the standards of the people. And they were involved in the administration of justice, right? Just like with Jesus. And they were not excited about them. Pre- the disciples preaching the gospel, you know, the power of Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. They weren't excited about them. To them, that was blasphemy, right? It, it totally flew in the face of what the culture was saying. What they were saying was very counter culture. How many of you realize that what we believe is very counter what the culture of the world is today? It really is. But this passage tells us that when we face opposition, that we do not do it with arguments or opinions. We face opposition with truth. And truth has a name, and his name is Jesus. He's the only one that said, I am the truth. We can stand firm in that place. We can build our lives on it like we were singing. But that's the thing that we can declare in the face of opposition. It's the power of truth. Truth will bring freedom. Truth can set people free. The purpose of courageous faith, honestly, friends, is to set captives free. Now, I know we don't have slavery today, but just... Bear with me for a moment. If somebody had a bunch of slaves, people they were making do things, and you went in and you unlocked their chains and you let them go, do you think you'd face opposition or do you think he would just happily let these people go? You would face opposition. And you're like, Paul, what on earth are you doing talking about slavery? We, we, gotta, you know, we did away with that a long time ago because, friends, I'm mentioning it from this aspect. There's something inside us. There should be this righteous indignation when we consider that people are bound to sin. They are slaves to sin, that the devil is shackling people to sin. The ideologies, the thoughts of today are such lies and they're binding people to sin. But the message that we have is truth and it will set people free. That's the thing that we have all been commissioned to as believers, Opposition will flare when we go to set people free. But for freedom's sake, Christ sets us free. He sets us free to walk in everything that he has for us. God is so good. He doesn't want to leave people shackled. You guys are quiet. I give you permission. You can chirp me if you want. If you agree with something, you guys can respond too. The word's powerful when we apply it in our lives. It's important that we don't go to war over culture and bring our ideas and opinions, but we bring truth. We bring the thing that will set people free. When we do it, we do become a target. The word says that we take light into dark places. That means that everything sees us. But you know what's amazing is that light will always overcome darkness. Don't be afraid. God is giving us courage and a boldness to step out. So the last thing for us for responsibility is that courageous faith means that it requires that we take risks. Man, it was a massive risk for these disciples to say this in this passage in verse 10. He just simply declares Jesus. Let it be known to all of you. He's not holding back. The name of Jesus, he's declaring truth. For the one whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, this is the stone that you've rejected He just goes on, he says, this has become the cornerstone, this is the pinnacle of everything that you've heard and believed under the law, you know, with Moses as the religious leaders of everything. Jesus is now the cornerstone. Then there's no other salvation except through Jesus. We can declare this boldly, unashamedly, unafraid. Courageous faith means that we get to take bold steps. And I just want to encourage you, take bold steps. Be courageous. You know, that piece of obedience. Tell your coworker that Jesus has a plan for them one more time. Pray for your family member you're trusting to come to Jesus one more time. Just do another day. Just be obedient. Do another day. God's going to move in power. He wants to pour out. He really does. Let's take some risks for him. You know, people aren't looking for perfection. Maybe you're wondering, well, I don't know if I can say the right thing, or how do I do this, and you're so concerned about it. You know what people are hungry for? People are hungry for a genuine passion for their faith. When we genuinely are are passionate about what we believe, and that's what we share with people, the Holy Spirit will use that. The Holy Spirit will work through you when you do it. Let's take some risks. Catherine Coleman said this, Following Jesus requires boldness and a willingness to take risks. We cannot settle for a safe and comfortable Christianity. The greatest adventures happen when we step out in faith and allow God to use us beyond our own limitations. God wants to use us beyond your limitations. So the last thing, so what happens when we do this? This is where it gets really exciting. God shows up. What happens when we when we're full of the Holy Spirit, when we're obedient to what he says and we take risks, what does the Holy Spirit do? What does God do? He shows up. He brings radical provision and breakthrough. He responds to courageous faith. Faith moves God. God responds when we step out in faith. He really does. When we read through these passages and the stories I've been sharing this morning, when they stepped out with the lame beggar, God healed somebody. Did something supernatural. He healed somebody that couldn't walk. God still wants to heal people that are broken, that are hurt. God is a healing God. That's who He is. Jehovah Rapha, our healer. What else? They preached the crowd. They preached to crowds. 3,000 or 5,000 got added. What else? Well, the Sadducees arrested them. And what did God do? He brought breakthrough. They let him go. Amazing. God was watching out for them. And then I see this part in Acts 4 that makes me jump up and down. Because when a people are walking in courageous faith and boldness and God starts showing up and doing stuff, look at what happens in verse chapter 4, 34 and 37. It says, There was not a, need, not a needy person among them, for as many as there were owners of lands or houses sold, um, or owners of lands or houses, they sold them and they brought the proceeds of what was sold, and they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph was also called by the apostle Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. There's a good name if you want to be known for something. Shoot for that one. A Levite, a native of Cyprus sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. I really believe that when, when we operate in courageous faith, that God will bring radical provision and breakthrough. It's not just provision, it's also breakthrough. But it's not just breakthrough, it's also provision. I believe that God is waiting to pour out resources on his church, the body. Not so that we can just get rich and upgrade our car and our house. no. No to fuel the extension of the kingdom of God so that Vancouver can be reached for the gospel, so that people can hear the name of Jesus and be saved and set free. God wants to pour out. I believe that he wants to do it in the marketplace for those of us that that work full time. I, I serve in a local church on an eldership team, but I'm also in the marketplace. I work. I have a daily job that I do as well. And I believe that God wants to work in that place. He wants to work in our spheres of influence. And I believe that there's folks that are successful in the business world, in the marketplace. And God wants us to partner. He wants us to be successful in business and bring that to the kingdom and say, Lord, I lay it at your feet. Let's extend the kingdom. Let's make sure we can fund people to serve full-time in ministry. Let's make sure that we can fund outreaches and see the gospel extended. God wants to do this. He wants to, I believe that he wants to pour out in a radical way on his church. And he is breakthrough for us in those situations and circumstances that we desperately need it in. He really does. And I want to encourage you afresh, wherever you are, that the Holy Spirit is powerful. And when we come and we sit in his presence and we say, Lord, fill me, fill me, and don't be quick to move on. Don't be rushed. Don't cave to the things around you. Stay in his presence. Hunger for him. He wants to come and fill us up to this point of just boiling out so that we can't help but be bold and be courageous and speak truth because truth will set people free. I just, I want to give us some opportunity. Maybe, maybe you're hearing this message today and you're going, Lord, Lord, I want to be full. I want to be full of courage and boldness. Maybe you've kind of become a comfortable Christian and you've gotten call it a rut or you've gotten a, a just a pattern of life that hasn't required you to operate in courage and boldness but you know you don't want to stay there anymore. If that's you, why don't you stand? I just I want to take a minute and and pray for you. I'm done preaching. But uh if that is that all right. If that's you, if if uh If you want to stand, if you go, Paul, I'm hearing you, and I want to walk in what the Bible says. I want to experience the power of God released in my life. I need breakthrough. Maybe you need breakthrough with loved ones around you. Maybe you need breakthrough financially. Maybe you just need breakthrough because you need purpose, and you're hearing this today, and you're being reminded of purpose. I want to pray for you. Whatever this looks like for you, just position yourself to receive from the Holy Spirit. I'll show you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like this. God can't give you something if you aren't really to receive it. And the Holy Spirit will never force himself on you. But you can trust him. You can trust him. So wherever you are, why don't you just open your hands just to receive. Position yourself however you're comfortable. Just receive. And I want to pray. Holy Spirit, I I thank you, Father, for your people, your body. Lord, you see them as your bride, precious in your sight. Lord, you see they're hungry for more. They're hungry for purpose. They're desperate for breakthrough. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. I know you're here, but we invite you, meaning we're ready to receive We're positioning ourselves to receive. Come and pour out on your people right now, Holy Spirit. Come and pour out on your people. Fill them with a courage and a boldness afresh. Fill them with a passion to know you. A passion to walk close. Prompt them, Holy Spirit, to be obedient. Meet them in that place of expectation. Pour out on your people, Holy Spirit.